What exactly is the bioeconomy? Is it going to change the way we live? And are there any risks with it? Welcome to Renewable Future, a podcast from the renewable materials company Stora Enso. I'm Colm O'Callaghan. Before we go to our regular studio discussion, we're here at Store Enso's offices in a conference room speaking to Par Lihirval, country manager at Store Enso and very much a driving force behind keeping the bioeconomy at the top of Store Enso's agenda. Why is the bioeconomy so important for Store Enso? Well, essentially, we are bioeconomy and, and it is important for us and it is a prerequisite with a strong bioeconomy agenda for us to be able to, to have a future in this company, to sell our products and do good for the people and the planet, which is what we ultimately is there to do. Why is there so much talk about the bioeconomy right now? I think that the largest reason for bioeconomy being so much of the agenda is the uh, climate change discussion that we've had in, in, in recent years. The climate change and the only true mitigator from an economically sound perspective to this is to replace carbon and, and fossil-based materials with uh, fossil-free and renewable materials. And that is where the bioeconomy comes in and is a great provider of solutions in order to mitigate climate change and ultimately, even if I don't want to use too hard words, to create a future for all of us and for our children. So what do you see about the, the, the future then, or the future vision with a, with a bioeconomy and Store Enso's role in it? What, what's... I think we can take an increasingly large role. I'll see us driving uh, a more and more sound utilization of biomass, uh, utilizing it in uh, production units run by uh, energy from biomass, virtually fossil-free, and then producing products which are basically fossil-free as well. So if we break that down to sort of layman's terms, you're saying that we could build pretty much anything based on, on, on materials that are coming from a tree? I think the sky is the limit. I mean, basically, and already today, anything that, that is done from, from a fossil petroleum base can be made out of a tree. The, the materials will be bio-based. Fuels, one way or another, will be bio-based. Uh, we will have... Uh, uh, the building sector will be more or less bio-based. Uh, but this application goes a lot further. We will have biochemicals, we will have glues, uh, adhesives, uh, thickeners, uh, and, and in, in the future we will also, of course, have, have this expanding into to things like uh, uh, healthcare, to, to, to the medical sector. We can already today make implants of bio, we can use lice nanocellulose and nanotechnology to to, in, in medical applications and so on and so forth. It, there is no limitation, save that it has to be economically and commercially feasible somehow. But the, the technology is there. And what we are working with and trying to, to, to get to is feasible applications for this to the good of the people and the planet. Per Lierval, thank you very much. And now we go over to the studio and the rest of the programme. On the show today, Karina Hokanson, Managing Director of the Swedish Forest Industries Federation, and Marco Lucciano, I think I've said that correctly, Director for Papermaking and Packaging at Invencia, an R&D company working with innovations based on forest raw materials. We couldn't really have a better panel here today to discuss the importance of a growing bioeconomy. But first, we really need somebody, Karina, perhaps you can explain it to me in simple terms, what actually is the bioeconomy? 
Well, the bioeconomy, that it's a part of our wider economy, but it's that part that is based on biological and renewable resources. So forestry obviously is one of those, but but what else? What other examples would we have then? I think we can, for example, say different kind of things from the agriculture sector and from the sea. Is it something new though, the bioeconomy then? It's new in a way because it's becoming more and more uh, present in our discussions, in our reality. But it's uh, if you go back two, three hundred years in time, that was a bioeconomy. That was another form of the bioeconomy. Yes, and then we turned into the fossil economy. Yeah. And now we have, I mean, we have bioeconomy already here today. Uh, of course, because we have this uh, part of our wider economy that is based on renewable resources. But, however, our vision is to to let the bioeconomy grow. And, of course, what we are discussing in society today is not to go back to 100 years in time, but to reshape a bioeconomy for the future and for the needs that we have today and towards the future. Marco, what are you guys doing at Inventia? What sort of things are you guys coming up with? when we look at the bioeconomy today and what's, what's, what what we see happening there? What we work a lot with is to develop um, processes and materials that can shift us back from, from a fossil-based uh, economy or for a fossil-based raw material basis uh, to, towards a more sustainable future. And a part of this is to replace what has been a fossil-based material tradition for the past maybe 100 years, but also to use the possibilities that come from nature to do completely new stuff, new things that we don't do today either, not even with with fossil-based materials. So completely new functionalities, completely new possibilities. Give me an idea. What sort of possibilities are we talking about? What we could do is to... Uh, learn to understand how nature built stuff and reproduce it and design it into materials or design it in applications. For, so, for example, nature has invented in a way uh, how to use solar power by photosynthesis. Can we uh, use bio-based materials from forests and from other sources to also gather energy from the sun and help us feed our society of today? And that is something that is being developed uh, okay. around us today. How far are we away from seeing something like that actually happening? Well, in a way, you can see if you if you walk around any larger city uh, in the world today, you will see solar panels. And those are sometimes not bio-based at all. But uh, the basic principle of harvesting energy from the sun, and if we can do it with uh, a technology that is based on bio-based materials, that's even better. Is it going to be then this game changer, the bio a bioeconomy? That when when we think in terms of these sort of bioeconomic terms, is is it going to change the way we we work and we consume, the way we live? Yes, I think so, and I also hope so. I mean, the bioeconomy is a very important part to be able to make a shift to a sustainable development. Uh, we can't do a sustainable development without bioeconomy. And sustainable development, that's a change over and a game changer. And is it is it going to happen? Because we as humans, we're very used to consuming in the way we're consuming. Uh, it must happen. I mean, otherwise, I mean, the, the population on the earth is growing. Uh, we must uh, ha- handle our resources much more intelligent. If we don't uh, 
really take care of all the renewable resources we have. We can't manage, we can't manage the earth. If everything sort of can be made from biomaterials, which is a little bit what we're saying, or it sounds like that, then why haven't we started doing this earlier? Why is this happening now? Why is this the, the buzzword now? I think it's two reasons. I mean, the first reason is that we, we really see that the population is growing now. And we realize that this is going to be a problem. And therefore, we have to take care of the renewable resources. And the other reason is the climate. Uh, this, I mean, with bioeconomy, with forest, forest management, forest products, we can help uh, the climate problems. And, and our products and our forests is good for the climate problems. I mean, so I think that is the main drivers. And if I spin uh, forward from Karina's first point, uh, we have recently at Invencia asked consumers around the world what they believe uh, and how they see uh, the world of today and the world going towards tomorrow. And we asked them, for example, who is responsible to make things different for the environment? Mm. And when we, we look at the answers and we rank them, we generally believe in Sweden, Germany, the United States, Brazil and China that it is uh, every single one of us as ordinary people that are responsible. And we tend to care very much about the environment, uh, at least in the groups we have surveyed that are the urban middle classes. Mm. So we, we start as ordinary people to react and to act because we understand and we want to do it. So it, it, it seems like a promising uh, outlook for the future. And we're recording this podcast in Stockholm in Sweden today. And, and Sweden seems to be a good country. It, it, it looks like the conditions in Sweden are good for developing a bioeconomy. Yes, they are very good. I mean, we have uh, uh, industry in worth class. Uh, we have uh, uh, scientists uh, in worth class. I mean, we have a lot of things that, that is very good. We have the raw material. We have the infrastructure. We can take a leading position in this. Forestry, however, is just one part, right? I mean, in other parts of the world, maybe forestry isn't the key area when it comes to renewability. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have to consider the local um, the local conditions. And of course, if you look at the uh, area where we are today in Northern Europe, we have a set of conditions out of uh, climate conditions, but also how the, uh, the countryside is populated, used. Uh, if you look at other parts of the world, the conditions might be completely different. So it, it's about designing sustainable systems that are uh, locally and globally uh, manageable towards the future. Because is there a risk? I mean, now that we, we see an emerging bioeconomy, it becomes more and more important. But will, will forests and biomaterials become a scarce resource as, the, as, as the, this part of the economy grows? I don't think so, at least not in the near future. Uh, but it's a very difficult question because uh, if we look upon the globe, reforestation is a, it's a huge problem. And we have to st first we have to stop that. And we have to increase the areas uh, with sustainable forestry management. Uh, and the other thing is that we are using so much oil and fossil-based products today. So... When we have really made this shift, it's many, many, many years away from us. Uh, but we must start now. Well, when you say many, many years, how many years are we looking at? What's it? Is it like a fifty-year period we're likely to see changes? Or 
Crystal ball. <laughs> crystal ball time. <laughs> I think it's it's uh, different to to see that. I mean, I think we will use oil in some way as long as we are uh, as long as there is oil. But that is not. Uh, I mean, the the important thing is not to totally quit using oil. The important thing is to reduce the, uh, the reduce the use of oil or fossil-based products and increase uh, the use of renewable. Can there be competition with food in terms of land that's available? Of course, it could be. Uh, but as Karina just pointed out, if you design uh, the global use uh, and you optimize it for materials, you optimize it for food, you optimize it for other. Uh, reasons that we interact with nature with. It's recreation, it's how we live and how we interact with the... If we try to see all perspectives at the same time and we understand that there is not a one-size-fits-all solution for every part of the globe, if we take into account all possibilities, then the, the outlook seems very promising. It's a complex picture to put together, though, when yes. we look at the entire globe. But it can be done. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Of course it can be done, but it's, it's very, very difficult and uh, it will take time. You talked about management of forests being incredibly important. In Sweden, this, the, the model is in place where there's more forest here than there was 70 years ago, let's say. So there, yes. even, even We have though, never had as much forest as we have today in the Swedish forests. Uh, and that is because we have been taking care of the forest in a sustainable way the last 120 years. But before that, we also had problems with deforestation. Uh, but in the beginning of the... Or, or 1903, we got a new forest management law. Uh, and since then, we have planted two trees after cutting one. Which means that today our our growing woodstock is enormous. Yeah. Let's look at the rural areas today. Many of these are suffering from decreasing populations and having, having difficulties. Could, could this help save those rural areas? That could very well be a possibility, especially if you look at the trends towards a growing bioeconomy together with another major trend in society, and it is digitalization and the presence of the internet of everything everywhere. So uh, you could where you are located on the planet might become less and less important. So you could have access to what we have in cities today if you are living in the countryside. But also on the other way around, you can manage production capabilities that are in rural areas, maybe standing downtown uh, Stockholm in a virtual reality environment. Those possibilities are becoming more and more real and they will... uh, make the interaction between the forces that are urban and the forces that are rural today to a much larger extent towards the future. So Marco, when you're working with all these innovations, if we're like in 20 years down the road, I'm asking you to look in the crystal ball yet again, because it's very interesting for me. Um, let's think, I mean, what, what sort of a society are we going to see? Are we going to see cars driving around that are made from wood-based fibres? Are, are these microphones in the studio going to be made from wood-based fibres? What, what are we going to be looking at? I believe that if we are looking today around what's what's being developed in Sweden, in Europe and the rest of the world based on, on bio-based resources, 
I believe that everyone who is listening right now can look around and they will not find a single piece of material that cannot be made into a bio-based alternative. And hopefully we will also find functionalities that we can't dream of today that will going to be implemented in 20 years from now. 20 years from now, it's a huge time gap. So, Any thoughts on that, Karina? I agree. I mean, 20 years, I think we will have a shift during this period. It, because, and and the reason, another reason behind that is that if you look back on how the forest industry has developed during the last hundred years, there have always, always been shifts. Maybe products have had their life for 40 years or whatever, and we are in a continuous shift, I would say. Okay. The new winners and losers in this bioeconomy, who, who's going to... Who's going to take this, the leading spot in a, in a new bioeconomy? I think that those who uh, are brave enough to rethink, I mean, those who really can uh, uh, rapidly take the chances and be brave enough to make investments into the new, new kind of products. I couldn't agree more with what Karina just said. And they could very well be in the uh, business segments that today we associate with the forest-based industry. And they could very well be somewhere else. So it's about uh, smart and uh, focused risk management towards the future. So it could quite easily be a, a startup in Silicon Valley or it could be a, an established forestry player today. Absolutely. Are you optimistic about the future, guys? Yes. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Karina Hawkinson, Marco Lucisano, thank you very much for joining us on Renewable Future. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Renewable Future from the Renewable Materials Company Store Enso. Let us know what you think and stay tuned for future episodes. Mm-hmm.